Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On this episode, I talk with Allison Kumi, who is the associate head coach at Penn State's women's ice hockey program. We talk about coaching Marie-Philippe Poulain and why she is such a special player. And we also discuss Penn State's women's hockey program and why they are so stingy at giving up goals. I really enjoyed this conversation with Allison, and I hope you do too. Before we get to our guest, if you enjoy this episode and want us to keep making more of them, please share it with teammates and friends. You can also subscribe, like, follow, and even better, it would be great if you would leave us a review. Now, let's drop the puck and get to the show. I'm very excited to have on today's podcast, Alison Kumi, who is the Penn State Associate Head Coach. She's originally from Baldensville, New York, just outside Syracuse. Uh, she played hockey and lacrosse at Niagara University, and she's been coaching in women's hockey for 19 seasons. So with stints at her alma mater, nine years at Boston University, <clears throat> and then the last three years at Penn State. So welcome, Associate Head Coach, Alison Kumi. Hi, Alison. Hi, Ray. Thanks for having me. Hey, so awesome to have you. Hey, uh, so just like everybody else that I've had on the podcast, it'd be great if you could just kind of walk us through your hockey history, starting in uh, Baldwinsville, New York. Yeah, so I started playing hockey when I was seven. Um, prior to that, when I started skating, my mom actually wanted us to be figure skaters. I have a twin sister, and so she, she got they got us into figure skating, my parents. and um, But we always used to go watch my brother. He's about 10 years older, so we'd go watch him play hockey and just fell in love with it, just watching him play. And, you know, typically like you're running around the rink, but we would just sit there and, and watch uh, most of the time. Um, and just, uh, so my parents were like, well, why don't we just try it, you know, try hockey and uh, never look back, obviously still doing it as a career. Um, did, so, uh, did your brother try and make either you or your sister play nets? Cause that, that seems to be a consistent story of the older brother or brothers <laughs> making their younger sister play, play goalie. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. Um, he almost kind of like phased out of hockey before we really got into it, but we would make each other play goalie. <laughs> All right. So it was like my sister and I would uh, go back and forth as to who was playing in net um, down in the basement that day. But <laughs> so. Um, and so uh, were you, were you playing tra uh, travel hockey, um, house league hockey, and were you playing on boys teams or girls teams? Yeah. So up until we were 12, uh, we played in a house league boys team. Um, and so there were, yeah, just my sister and I, uh, there were a couple girls on other teams, um, during our last year of house league, they developed a, a an all girls team. Um, we actually ended up winning the championship that year. Of course. Cool. Yeah. Of course. And, uh, and then, and then my dad and another a dad put together a travel team. Um, so we would travel to, you know, there's, there used to be this big tournament in Connecticut. We travel to every year and, and other tournaments. And, uh, so really, uh, you know, for about four to five years, that's that's where I uh, really developed. Um, one, just playing girls hockey, I think, um, helped. Um, just feeling comfortable in that environment. Um, but, and, and we'd go to camps and stuff, but there wasn't a lot going on outside of just the typical season. What was the key to your success in your hockey development? Was it your coaches? Was it playing with boys, which I've heard from some of the uh, other coaches that I've spoken to? What, what is it that was the key to you becoming such a great hockey player uh, and, and also lacrosse player? Because you were doing both at the same time, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think part of it was was being able to play multiple sports. Um, you know, growing up, you had a hockey season from October to to February, and then, you know, you're playing other sports in the fall, and you're playing other sports in the spring. Um, I do think part of it was playing with the boys growing up, like you had to, it just, just being a girl in a, in a, in a boy's world, <laughs> you know, you're different, right? So like, 
um, there's always that element of just trying to have to pr have to prove yourself. Um, so that, you know, having a twin sister, I think we were always like, as much as we support each other, we were always pretty competitive with each other too. So I, I do think that helped. Um, what position so, did your sister play? Because I believe you were a forward. So Yeah, she was a forward too, actually. Okay. So, um, but yeah, we were, uh, yeah, we were really close. And, 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 and I do think that the fact that our parents had us in multiple sports, um, you know, the cerebral part of the game is so important uh, and just understanding the game. And I think playing multiple sports allows you to understand the game of hockey a little bit more as well. Okay. And um, so obviously uh, playing multiple sports was really key to you becoming such a great athlete. What was the process of uh, getting recruited by Niagara University like? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, my sister and I obviously like wanted to play in college together, but weren't really like pursuing that option as much. So we both applied to different schools and looked at different schools, D1, D3, um, kind of a combination. Uh, and really, you know, I, I wanted to be an engineer. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So like kind of narrowing your choices that way too, of like what you want to study and, and all that. And um, Niagara came about, it was a brand new program. So, um, Margot Page, who was, who was the new head coach at the time, um, you know, had been involved with Hockey Canada and, and, you know, went to the Olympics, you know, after I, after I played there as a coach, but, um, just really, it was one of those things where you just step on campus and I, and I felt comfortable. Um, it was, it wasn't too far from home for me, which was important, but also far enough. Um, and just being a part of something new and something exciting uh, where you can like leave your mark, um, I think was something that really intrigued me. Um, and then it allowed, you know, my sister and I to go to the same place uh, in the end, which was also a lot of fun. And, and did, you, did you and your sister both play two sports or did she play any varsity? Yeah. Yeah, yep, we both played hockey and lacrosse there. So, I mean, it was a, it was a unique thing. Uh, we weren't, by no means did we have any intention of playing lacrosse as well. Um, but our high school lacrosse program was so strong that we, when we went to Niagara, uh, we, we could step on and, and, and be pretty productive um, at that level, which, I mean, it was still Division One, but, um, you know, we felt comfortable with it. It yep. wasn't something where you, you know, it, it, it was too, too hard where we couldn't do both. Um, and then back then, you know, you could play two sports in college and, and not really be too much of an issue. Gotcha. And, and you're now our third guest who's played two sports in college. We had uh, Kara Mori who played field hockey and, and ice hockey at Brown. And then Tara Connolly played exactly like you guys, oh, yeah. um, yep. lacrosse and hockey. So I need to ask you the same question I asked them. Did you ever have the opportunity to play both sports in the same day where you went from one sport to the other? I'm, I definitely, um, towards the end of my hockey career, we would be, we would practice in the morning because there were a bunch of us that a uh, student taught. Um, and then at night lacrosse would have practice. So it was kind of like at that point in the season, in hockey season, you don't want to get hurt. So you're not doing too much, but yeah. I do remember practicing in the morning. And then because it was still snowy out, we, we were in the gym playing lacrosse. So <laughs> Nice. I definitely remember a few times that happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it sounds like you had a, a great career at Niagara. So tell, tell us about, you know, what, what you decided to do once you graduated from Niagara and, and getting into coaching, because uh, at least from what I can tell, you, you almost immediately went into coaching right, right after graduation. Yeah, I was, I was really lucky. Um, I think it's harder 
it's harder some years and, and easier maybe to get into coaching if that's what you want to do. Um, but I went to school for education. Um, and so my whole plan after college was to pursue a master's degree. My mom was a teacher. She's like, you need your master's degree to teach essentially, um, especially in New York. So that was really my goal. Um, one of my coaches at Niagara ended up going to Connecticut college as a head coach. Um, so she had called me during my senior year and asked if I'd be interested in, in helping her out. Um, and I was like, this is great. I can, I can coach, I can start to pursue a master's career. Um, and that's really how I got into it. And, and I was working with somebody that I knew really well. So for me, it was a really easy transition, um, into get to getting into coaching, obviously being a, being a captain at, at Niagara, I think helped in that just just understanding that um, that role, um, whereas I was a young coach, but having to deal with players that were essentially my age, um, some of them. So uh, that's really how I got into it and just uh, fell in love with it. Um, and, you know, my pursuit of a master's degree, I ended up getting one in, in school counseling. But um, now, now I get to use both of those degrees. <laughs> yeah, use it every day, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, so, so you were in Division Three for for a little while with uh, Connecticut College and Plattsburgh. Uh, let's talk about your experiences there, especially Plattsburgh, which is clearly the uh, one of the premier Division Three programs. Uh, even yeah, today. yep, totally. Um, yeah, so Connecticut College was a great experience. One, the NESCAC school. It's a it's a, it's a great academic institution. Um, so there, it was interesting. I went from Niagara, where you know, one story, like we're, we're, we used to take bus, bus rides all the time. Um, cause we are furthest from everybody. Um, but we would watch movies the whole time. And I, the first bus ride at Con College, I remember the kids all getting on the bus, no one turns on the TV, everyone's studying. And I was like, this is so, so different, so different. Um, so it was fun. It was a really fun year. And then, uh, after that year, like, like I said, while I continue to pursue a master's degree, I, I wasn't, wasn't able to get it at Con College, um, the degree I wanted. So I went, um, so I continued, like, I loved coaching. So I was like, is there another opportunity for to me to continue to do this? And, um, Plattsburgh and Elmira were both looking for assistance at the time. So I looked at both of those places and, and ended up, ended up at Plattsburgh, um, Kevin Hull's first year. So, uh, right before he started, uh, started winning, uh, consecutive <laughs> national championships. But, um, but the, but the thing I really liked about that was, you know, all the, the student athletes were treated like, like division one student athletes. And I could only speak to, to playing division one that I could see that. Um, but I just, I just really, I loved the drive. Um, there were a lot of Canadians that really didn't know that they didn't know the difference between like a Plattsburgh and, you know, a Niagara. So they didn't know the difference between a D division three school and division one school. They just wanted to play hockey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed it. I would have stayed there if, uh, if my, my coach from Niagara didn't call. Like, so, I yeah. So let's, let's talk about you going back to your alma mater as, as, as an assistant coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the opportunity came up. Um, one of my uh, former assistants that I played for ended up leaving to go to Ohio state. Um, and that, that, um, spot opened, um, and my, uh, previous head coach called and asked if I'd be interested. And of course, like, it was like my dream job to go back to, to Niagara and, and really like we were so, we were successful, um, in the, in the, especially my senior year at Niagara went to the frozen four as a division one program and just kind of put like a small school on the map. Um, and so I want, I really wanted to go back and, 
and try and replicate that to to the best I could, but just really um, create a, a good experience for the players that you know wore the same jersey. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, Niagara University's uh, women's hockey program is no longer in existence. Uh, that happened a little bit after you left, but uh, yeah, yeah, it happened about ten years after after the, the year we made the Frozen Four. So it was, it was pretty sad. Yeah, luckily there's been several new D1 uh, teams that have been added since uh, Niagara, Wayne State, and I think North Dakota uh, discontinued their programs. But I think net-net it's been a positive and, and hopefully even going more in that direction. Um, and uh, I believe the year before you left, one of the players that you were recruiting was a previous guest on this podcast, uh, Sarah Zacharias. So uh, maybe you can give us a scouting report on recruiting her. If um, I'm, I'm assuming you were involved in, in recruiting Sarah. Yeah, I was. I, I mean, from what I remember of Sarah, and this was a, a while ago, um, obviously I'm older than, than, quite older than she was, but I do remember her being a very um, active, she was very active in the recruiting process. Um, so she didn't like allow her parents to do any of it. Um, I, I just remember her being very, um, like at the forefront of, of any conversations you had with her, you know, it was, it was always with her and, and not really her parents and not, not to say that parents shouldn't be involved. Um, but it is nice to see, you know, a, a student athlete who's, who's pursuing a college of their choice, you know, um, yeah. at the end of the day, it's, that's what they want. So, um, I do remember her being very, uh, very vocal about like what she wanted and, and just very mature. I, I do remember her being very mature about the whole process as well. So showing some head coach material, which is what she's doing right now. Yeah, it's, Hall, uh, it's great. Like I've, had, I've definitely had conversations with her, and it, um, it's great to see her in, in that coaching role for sure. That's awesome. All right. So uh, unfortunately, you didn't get to see Sarah play at Niagara because you moved on to uh, Boston <laughs> University. Maybe you can talk about your nine years there working with Brian DeRoche, who has been at Boston for, I think, since the beginning of time, I believe, since before hockey was invented. <laughs> He's been there for a while. He's been there for a while, but um, no, like uh, it's funny. I, I, I had golfed with Brian probably three years prior to me going there um, at, uh, at our conventions, we would, uh, we'd golf together. So I knew him for a while. Um, and so when the job opened up, uh, obviously, you know, there's people you reach out to and, and I was lucky that he reached out um, to me. Um, he had actually just had just hired one of my former assistants at Niagara, uh, Katie LaChapelle. So she called me too to try and convince <laughs> me to get there. Um, and it was, you know, obviously one of the best decisions I made. Um, I was I was scared to, to go to a city, never lived in Boston. Um, but working with those two for nine years was, was great. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, so many good memories uh, and obviously some, some great success. But um, Brian, obviously being a, an alum of that program, just knows how to sell it. Um, and he's really a really good recruiter. Um, but bottom line, he cares about every one of his student athletes as, as people. And I, I think that's where you get the most out of them. So. All right. And while you're there, were you, were you coaching the forwards or the defense? Because I know you, you played forward, but and at Penn State, you coached D. But what, what was your role at, at, at Boston University? Yeah, BU, I coached forwards. Um, okay. So Katie had... Katie had a little bit more experience at D. Um, and so, yeah, for, for nine years there, I coached forwards. I think there were numerous conversations of us switching at some point, but we never did. All <laughs> we right. with it. So, um, so that was part of the reason why when I came here, I, I wanted to try something different. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. So, so let me ask you uh, a couple important questions. So one of the uh, players that you were coaching was uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain, who is, um, you know, 
an all-star with the uh, the Canadian national team. And so a couple of questions. First, uh, what makes her one of the best players in the world? And second, what were you doing to make her play more defensively that it took her three years to be the leading scorer on Boston University? That's, those are two great questions. Um, no, uh, for, for her, I mean, she's, she's such a student of the game, um, but she makes players around her better. I think that's a telltale sign of a great player. They make, they make the people around them better. Um, she could play with anyone and, uh, and get them, you know, a 20 goal season. Yeah. Um, not to say that, that, that her line mates were not great players too, but they, they were, but, uh, she's just that type of person and, and just so humble, um. You know, one thing I do remember about her, and, and she'd probably still do it, uh, when she scores, she points to the person that passed it to her. It's never about her. Um, and so I, I think that's that's a big reason why she, um, you know, maybe was never, it, it's crazy to say, like, was only an All-American, I think, once, and um, Patty never won a Patty Kaz, and um, she just, she it's it's never about her. So um, that's that's the one thing I've, I've really taken away from, from yeah. her. And and in her second year, she only played I think sixteen games out of thirty some odd games. Probably she. Yeah, was her total program. career. I think her total career was like three seasons out of four uh, yeah. with injuries and and whatnot. So yeah. that that'll do it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's um, so. Before we get to Penn State, you've now uh, you know coached in different conferences at different levels. Maybe talk about all the, just the differences between conferences and, and what it's like from, from a team perspective to be in a different conference and what, what the implications are. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing I really liked about Hockey East is the travel was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're in your bed most nights um, with that. Uh, there's more teams in that conference. Um, so uh, it's just, it's just different. Like you're seeing, you're seeing different teams um, more often, whereas in the CHA, there's only six of us. So you see the same teams. And um, I would say it's a little bit more of like a gritty conference. Like it's tough. It's tough to get through because everyone plays so hard. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know what, what, what that is. Um, I don't know what makes the CHA like that. Um, but, but that's from like, as an outsider looking in, that's what I see. Um, and so I would say like, those are pretty, those are the like pretty big discrepancies, um, with those two conferences. And, and, you know, the good thing about women's college hockey in general is the, the amount of non-conference games you play. So like in the CHA, we play, we have 20 conference games. So we have 14 non-conference, which is essentially half your schedule, um, yeah. is non-conference. So I think for us, it allows us to play, um, you know, more, more teams from the West and the East, um, than maybe hockey East where they have, they just have more teams. So there's less games to give on the other end. Sure. All right. Um, so before we get to Penn state, uh, you've also been involved with USA hockey, maybe just talk about the roles that you've, you've played coaching with them. Um, and then we'll, and I know some of it was, uh, being a scout for the under 18 team. So we'll, we'll get to that as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've worked numerous camps, uh, U18 camps, U22, um, and then the national camps. Um, and just, I mean, it, just a really great uh, experience and being around players that are so driven um, and they care so much about the sport. And, and you know, participating in Zoom calls this summer where there's so much conversation on, on what's happening outside the game. And so as much as uh, as much as they care about their own, you know, pursuit of, of making a national team or making an Olympic team, uh, there's, there's way more focused on, on, on how to leave the game a better, 
better place than than they started. So I really like it's it's been a great experience just to just to be involved in in all of that really. Um, and then the scouting that kind of came up. It was like it was almost like a last minute type thing. Um, I think they 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 realized they maybe wanted that role or needed that role um, for the U18s. This was back in what was it 2019. Um, was in Japan and. Um, my, my main role there was just to, to scout the opponents. Um, so their special teams and, and whatnot. And was there any secondary benefit to you also using that as a recruiting opportunity for Penn state? Cause I noticed you have five or six Canadians and, and, a, and a Swedish player on your team. And maybe that's, uh, how they got on your radar. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they were on the radar, already. <laughs> um, but it was nice to see them in those environments. Um, like Kiara Zanin and Mal Uline, uh, from our current team were were there so it was it was cool to see them before they came to Penn State and and really what they you know what they did for Team USA. Nice and um, for uh, kids who are for players today who are uh, probably going to be going to their first uh, USA development camps whether at the regional or national level what advice would you give them and and maybe what is it that you know when you were there what were the things that you were looking for uh, for them from them when when they came to these camps? Yeah, I mean, I, I know every every player that goes to those camps is, their ultimate goal is to make the U18 team, right? So as much as development is is what we're looking for, um, we we understand that that's like, that's their ultimate goal. Um, so so the only advice I would give is like, that's not the end all. Um, there's, there's plenty of national team players that never made a U18 team. Um, there's plenty of U18 players that never made a national team. So... There is like everyone, you know, everyone gets to where they need to be at a certain point. Um, and so just to focus on like what you can bring and what, you know, what your strengths are, but also like, you know, what you need to work on. I think uh, a lot of a lot of players are so focused on, you know, being a certain way when they when all they really need to understand is you already have like this and what you can bring to the table. So just focus on like what you're good at. Um, and what you can bring so and just have fun it's such a great environment to you know at those camps just to meet meet players from all over the world yeah absolutely sorry all over the u.s yeah exactly (laughs) so um all right let's move on to your uh coming to penn state um maybe talk a little bit about the origin of uh penn state hockey um and kim and terry pagula how they got involved for folks who don't know um they they basically uh sponsored the program they they own the uh, Buffalo Sabres, and and they also were uh, deeply involved with Penn State. So maybe, maybe talk about that and how you ended up at Penn State. Yeah, I mean, so grateful for for the rink and and everything they've provided for us. Um, they they actually built um, our facility has a, a practice rink, um, and so their their intention in, in building the rink not only for the university but for the community to to really grow hockey in this area. Um, obviously it's a, it's a continual process and, you know, being right in the center of Pennsylvania, there's, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot going on <laughs> outside of it. So, um, you know, I, we're, we're very fortunate that we have that, um, that we have that ability. And I would encourage folks to uh, go on YouTube and look at the, uh, the amazing facilities that they have. If you want to see a tour of all the athletic, the hockey facilities, it's pretty impressive. And the, the rink is pretty sweet, if not the, the nicest new rink that, out there. So. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. They actually, the Sabres and um, the Penguins came two years in a row, my first two years here. They've been here numerous times, but um, they used our locker rooms, um, our men's and women's locker rooms, and 
you could hear him just talking about like how nice the facility was. So if pro, if pro players are saying that. Then oh, for sure. It's nicer than some, some NHL teams. I'm guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, so you've been there for three years. Uh, how did you end up there? Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously being a BU for nine years, great experience, loved it. Um, and for me, it was just a, you know, being a career coach, I think just having the ability to, to maybe venture out and do something different. Um, Jeff Campersall got hired uh, three years ago and uh, he came over from Princeton and, and called and asked if I would be interested. And um, I've always, you know, Jeff's somebody I've always admired. Um, he, he, in a lot of ways, he's, he's very similar to Brian, very similar to Kevin Houle. Um, really all the coaches I've worked for, um, Margo and, and Kristen Steele, just very caring, like, just want the best for the student athletes. And, and at the end of the day, that's what they care about the most. And um, so, so knowing Jeff for a long time, I mean, and he's not, he's not old, but when I was playing <laughs> at Niagara, he was coaching at Princeton. So I've known him for, for a long time and, and um, just was excited for an opportunity to, to really put hope, you know, hopefully put Penn state on the mark um, yeah. and do something here. So um, there's Jeff, there's you, and I believe uh, Melissa is the, the third coach. So yeah. how do you work together and how do you divide responsibilities, both on the kind of team, you know, uh, winning side and on the recruiting side? Yeah, I mean, Melissa is a great, she's been a great addition, um, obviously playing uh, at the highest level with, with the national team um, and at Quinnipiac, had a great career there. Um, I think she brings that instant credibility with her. Um, so for being somebody who's, you know, a, a year removed, two years removed from, from, from the college game, um, there is that, um, there's just that instant, uh, you know, credibility. Just, yeah. Credibility with it. So, um, it, it's great to have her. And, and I think the kids really respect, uh, what she's done and what she brings. And, and you focus on the defense, right? So what, what's that transition been like from focusing on the forwards to focusing on defense? And for folks who don't know, like your team is just doing superb this year. You're 13, one and two, and, I, and, and only given up a handful of goals all season. So I want to talk more about um, uh, defense, but just, just talk about your role. Yeah, um, yeah, I coach a D. Um, I coach a D on the bench during games and um, in practices when we split up, I'll, I'll take the D, but I mean, we're lucky. We've got we've got some pretty talented defensemen. Um, I think the the thing that I've realized just coming from coaching the forwards for so long, I feel like I've learned so much um, from from that like a different perspective, you know, yeah. of the game. So it's been great to to really, uh, you know, I ask them questions a lot, like <laughs> what do you see or you know what you know what uh, just different questions that that I'm, I'm curious about. <laughs> so so um, with, without giving away too many secrets, um, how do you teach defense? So like, you know, is it positionally where you are on the ice? It's like offensive zone tactics where you're trying to like gap up. So before the, the other team even starts, is it just basic stuff like sticks and lanes? Like what's the level of sophistication that you're doing stuff? And, and I also believe uh, PK is one of your key strengths as well. So. Yeah. I mean, we just, I, I think for us, it's like less is more. So try not to overcoach. Um, maybe point out like little things here and there that, that they, you know, that, that maybe they don't see and they, um, a video could help, help them see. Um, but, but really trying to not do too much of the coaching and thinking for them, um, where it has to become instinctual, instinctual. And, um, obviously we recruit, we try to recruit talented players that, that can see the game well. So it's really just fine tuning, um, okay. to, to a certain extent. 
Um, what, what advice would you give a, a youth player, you know, someone playing girls hockey today on, on the defensive side of things? So I was at a tournament this past weekend and all the players, you know, they, they all want to hold on to the puck and do stuff on the offensive side. Yeah. Second that puck turns over, well, not everybody's is working just as hard on, on defense as they are on offense. Yeah, I mean, that's tough because I, 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 the same thing, I watch games now and, and D are so um, offensive, which is great. Um, but they need to be like, they need to be defensive. Like in our game, they need to come back and help out. Um, obviously, we're, re we're trying to recruit the best goaltender. So, you know, yeah, if something yeah. breaks down, they can they can do it. But um, but yeah, uh, it's, it is tough. And, it, and I do think it's important for youth coaches to really have an emphasis on that part of the game. Um, because when, when players get here, it's definitely something that needs to be, uh, needs to be important you know, just as important, I would, I would say. Okay. So obviously you're, you're pretty good at, uh, at coaching. Um, in 2019, uh, you were named the AHCA women's hockey assistant coach of the year. Um, so congratulations on that. So that yep. leads us, uh, and, and then you got promoted to associate coach, I believe, uh, last year at, at the end of last season. So I'm, I'm really curious because this is really confusing to me. What's the difference between an assistant coach and an associate coach? Um, there's really not, I don't know if there's really much different. Um, the day-to-day -day stuff is all the same. So I, to me, I, I, I don't know. I think it's just a title change um, and, and hopefully a little bit more credibility. Uh, not that 19 years shouldn't, shouldn't hold some credibility, but um, yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> you, you mentioned um, earlier that, you know, you, you try and do all the work during practices. So when you get to the game, kind of you let the players play. So what do you like during a game? Um, I, li I like to ask all the coaches, are you, are you calm behind the bench or are you like yelling at the refs or are you talking to your players all the time? What, 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 what's your personality while during a game? Um, I would say I'm pretty laid back on the bench. Um, there's obviously times where the games get heated and you need a little frustrated. Um, and I'm not much of a yeller in general. So um, for me, again, like, I do think, like, less is more during game time if, if you're always constantly, like, if I'm always constantly talking to the players, like, what, what is that stress level going to look like yeah. <laughs> for them? So Especially uh, if they're just trying to please you or, or follow, you know, follow exactly what you're telling them to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and for me, it's like, I can't get too high because then they're just going to get very hyper. So I, I do think that, you know, the coaches, or the, the coaches have a, a significant role in, and how the team acts um, in their, um, yeah, just the, the overall demeanor. Okay. And, and obviously it's been very successful. Uh, you, like I mentioned earlier, you, your team is having one of the best seasons it's had since uh, the program began. Talk about how, how you've gotten over the hump this season and what you think the, what, how you were able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a big part of it is just like the discipline that's had to go, on, had to go into this year. Um, so our players, like from, you know, from mid-August, we, we've asked a lot of them um, and they've done a great job of handling it as a team. I do think success, like, you know, helps, helps with certain things. Um, but we've had a great, uh, I mean, Natalie Heising is our captain. She's, you know, been here this her fourth year and just, uh, she's been through a lot just with like the changing of, you know, coaching staffs and, and culture and, um and she's done a really good job. And I, and I do think, you know, having nine freshmen um, come in and them really not knowing the difference, but coming from successful programs where, you know, they know what it takes to win um, has also helped. Um, but overall, like just the buy-in of the group as a whole, 
um, and, and the day to day, you know, we get tested every day. So they have to like, they just have to be, they be, have to be on top of everything, you know? Yeah. 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 So, um, and, and t- tell us what, what the remainder of the season looks like for your team. Uh, Cause I think you only have a few more games and then you have a weekend of playoffs coming up in early March. Yeah. So we've got two more uh, away weekends. Uh, we travel to RIT this weekend and then we travel to Mercyhurst the following weekend. And then, um, yeah, the first week in March is our playoffs um, back in back in Erie, Pennsylvania. So um, it's it's coming down to that to the wire, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's going so fast. It has, it really has. I mean, especially since you've only played, I believe, like 16 games uh, this season. So it's a pretty yeah. short season. But before we get into the recruiting process, I do have one Penn State question for you, which is a little sensitive, which is, um, you know, what has the university done to protect athletes since the football controversy from about 10 years ago? So as, as any player or parent thinking about uh, considering Penn State, it'd probably be helpful for them to understand that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many back background checks. Um, so staff has to do background checks. We do, I mean, I think we do like three, three different like training sessions and a, and a background check every year um, or every four years is like a fingerprint. Like just like there's a, it's pretty uh, strict on, on what we do. And then anytime we have camps, everyone that works our camps has to have um, background checks and, and certain surveillance uh, tests done. So Perfect. Tell us about your recruiting process um, and, you know, not necessarily you, but, you know, division one teams, what is it that you're looking for, for players? Um, you know, has speed become more important over the last few years? Uh, what are things that, that get you excited when you're going to either tournaments or showcases or development camps that get you really excited about watching a player? Yeah. I mean, speed's definitely gone um, up since, since I played even in the last five years, I'd say. Um uh, also just like off by strength. Um, and so doing it safely, but, um, we, we recognize, you know, in our, in our first year after, after our uh, players freshman year, how much stronger they get. Um, and I think that that's even lessened because they're coming in so in, in so such great shape. So, um, I think that part of it, you know, for me, it's just, uh, I've seen so much, um, we just want good kids. Like we want good players. We want good character people, um, team players. And, and that's something if that's hard to see when we go out to showcases, it's even harder to see on video. Um, because when you do go to showcases, you can at least see like the body language, the demeanor on the bench, um, how they talk to people, how they talk to their coaches, their parents, you know, maybe outside of the rink. Um, and, and I think for that, um, you know, coming into a program here where we've, where we've worked on changing a culture and, and making it um, a team first place. Um, that's such an important thing because, you know, it, it, it takes, it takes so long to build that up, but it only takes one person to, to really, you know, turn it around um, in a negative way. So um, just making sure that, you know, we do our homework, call coaches, you know, I was going to ask, ask you about that. What, what, I mean, to tell us about the reference checks, so to speak, that you do uh, before, yeah. you know, making an offer to a player. Yeah, I mean, an offer's a big deal, even if it's even if it's just a spot, you know, and I don't want to say just a spot, but if, if it's a spot on your team, it's it's a big deal because they're they're part of your locker room, they're part of your family. So, um, we, you know, we try to have conversations with multiple people, not just their coach, but maybe their previous coach. Um, obviously, like them and their parents together um, is – is also interesting to see the dynamics that sometimes families have. 
Um, but yeah, to as much homework as we can, if we're offering um, a spot on the team. Um, and again, if it's a scholarship spot, it's a lot, that's a lot of an, that's a big investment. Um, so making sure we're doing our homework that way too. Um, can I ask you just a general question, not, not necessarily Penn State, about scholarships versus non-scholarships? So I believe you get 18 scholarships that can be divided up amongst as many players as you want. Um, what about the players? So depending on the team, there can there's usually somewhere between 20 and maybe 25 players on a roster. So yep. how are those, you know, five to seven players, you know, handled that don't have, um, that don't get a scholarship at scholarship schools? Yeah, I mean, everything else is the same, like you're treated the same, you know, you get, you get everything that, um, that, that the other student athletes would get, um, your, maybe your books aren't paid for, but, you know, everything else, apparel, everything, equipment, everything's paid for. Um, and then with, with scholarship schools, if, if a school has 18, they can split it up any way they want. So they don't have to give out 18 fulls and have, you know, the rest on full walk-ons, um. And, and, and how, how, is, how, how are scholarships decided or, you know, not given out to, to, to some players? What, what's, you know, obviously every school is different, but what, what are the factors that come into that decision? Um, I mean, sometimes it's location of where you're recruiting players from. If, you know, if they're from a different country, maybe they're they just it, the affordability of, of coming to a university. You might have to give more money to them to get them to come. Yeah. Um, is it based on skill and ability or is it more financial? Is it, uh, I mean, bottom line, skill and ability, I would say, you know, is why you're giving out a scholarship, but, um, it, but it, you know, a given year, you might not be able to give out a scholarship to a top kid because you just don't have money for that position or, you know, you just don't have it. So trying to work, you know, ways to, to give them money and, and, uh, and, and give them money down the line. But, um, it's, it's very, it's very tricky. Like, you know, the, the, how to work with it. And then to like, you know, offering scholarships years out, which has been more of a trend than, than now, um, has really made it, made it interesting for the coming years. Yeah. That's, it's like the NHL managing a salary cap. You got to kind of yeah. Yeah. figure out all the puts and takes. All right. So, um, can you explain how COVID is impacting, uh, recruiting, for uh, you know, um, the, your seniors, let's say, and your incoming class, and and what is it you're looking at in, in general terms? What the kind of the general impact is for uh, Division One recruiting um, because of COVID? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's challenging, um, obviously, with the NCAA granting that extra year, um, but institutions leaving it up to the institutions whether they're going to be able to pay for that extra year. Uh, I, I really highly doubt a lot of um, programs will be able to fund, you know their seniors for another year um and uh, like adding on top of those 18 scholarships i doubt that's going to happen so it's it's just having those conversations with you know with current seniors and then again with players coming in like because no one anticipated you know maybe yeah. seniors staying back or or whatnot um i do think it makes it a challenge for the next few years um, just as far as numbers go with teams. And how, um, how that, for example, can you give us an example of what you think that might look like? Um, I mean, any a given year, you could have five seniors that all want to stay. Um, so let's say they all decide they're going to pay their own way to come back and start a master's. Um, but, but you have five new kids coming in. So now you've added basically five players to, to a 23 person roster. Um, uh -huh which just makes it, it makes it a little bit challenging, um, for that, uh, for that year, especially, 
um, you know, for players coming in thinking that, all right, I'm just, I'm one of 23. So if, you know, if we're dressing 21 skaters or 21 players, there's only two people sitting out as opposed to maybe now five or six people sitting out a game. Okay. Um, so it makes it hard. It makes it hard. Um, but I do think, you know, there's other, pro there's programs starting up. There's programs that can't keep those seniors because they don't have master's programs. Um, so it's well, all kind of like, I mean, we'll, we'll know, we won't know, we won't know the impact until probably next year or the year yeah. after. What, what advice do you have for like the 2022s and the 2023s who are kind of got caught in this uh, COVID cycle? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think if you love the game, you're going to find, a, you're going to find a place. Like there's, I, I do think division three is going to get stronger because of this, um, which is, which will be great to see. Um, and so I, I would, I would really um, hate for it, players to stop playing because they don't think that there's an opportunity for them to play. Yeah. Um, but it also just having conversations with the, with the programs and the coaches um, that you're interested in. Obviously we can't talk to 23s right now, but in June yeah. we can. And, yeah. And maybe going, you know, asking your coach, like, you know, wh where do you see me? Um, and some coaches are, are really good at knowing, like, if they've had previous players that have gone to Division One or Division Three, knowing what that looks like. Um, I think trusting trusting your coach, too, if, if you play for a program that, that has that experience. And since, since you were in Division Three coaching and, and obviously Division One now, what advice would you give a player or a parent who is kind of on the cusp between maybe being, you know, so just quote-unquote fourth liner in Division One or maybe in the stands versus, you know, a top player at a Division Three program? Yeah, I, I think they really just need to be honest with what, what they're okay with. Um, you know, some players, like you need good fourth-line players to be yeah. a successful team. You need that depth to be a successful team. So um, if they're okay with that, then great. But you have to know like that you're going to be okay with it. It can't yeah. just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be okay with it. And then they, you show up and you're not happy. Like yeah. that's understandable, but um, knowing that. And then too, like, I mean, coaching, when I was at Plattsburgh and obviously they're a, num they're a number one division, division three team, but just there are like such great opportunities. And, and sometimes at division three, you can play multiple sports um, more so than you can here. So great. Uh, yeah. And any advice for uh, players or parents who are, you know, now getting, you know, or are going to pass the June 15th start, uh, start time. And, and what advice do you have for them as they kind of going to all these recruiting events and, and, you know, their first showcases in the, in the fall and yeah, tournaments I mean, and showcases in the fall. I would say, like, try not to stress about it. Um, obviously, we haven't seen hockey in a long time. So we're, as coaches, I think we know that once, once we can get back and players get back, it's going to be a little bit different for a bit um, because maybe some kids haven't been able to get on the ice. Um, and so just, like, trusting the process of it, and it's hard to do, but, um, but know that you're not alone. Like, everyone's going through the same thing. Um, yeah. And as coaches, we're all going through the same thing as well. So, great. Are are you going to be having? Is Penn State going to be having some camps this summer? Uh, assuming COVID uh, restrictions are are lifted by then. Yeah, we're hoping to. It it really depends on what we're allowed to do on campus. Um, so we're we're hoping, but uh, we haven't we haven't gotten official. Our camp our camp office is back and and trying to set things up, but I think they're working on the the field sports. 
because those are probably Outside, easier to manage yeah. than in in uh, in facility sports. So, gotcha. and uh, if, if folks want to learn more about the the Penn State women's hockey program, how how do they get more information? Um, you know, if they wanted to raise their hand and express interest, uh, do you have an online form to to fill out? How, how can people start the process? Yeah, I mean, everything's on our website. So if you go to gopsusports.com um, and click on women's ice hockey, you, there's questionnaires available on that um, and any kind of information. Um, I don't know if that's where you found the YouTube video, but there uh, there are videos to to access uh, behind the scenes of the of the rink. <laughs> Great. So. And if folks want to uh, find you online or connect with you, what's the best way? You got Twitter, Instagram, uh, email. What's the best way? I do have uh, all of those. <laughs> um, our email address is on on the website. Uh, we do just share one right now, but we'll get we we uh, run it so. I can confirm because I sent uh, an email to, to that address and, and, and you did respond. So, yes. So, great. Allison, uh, best of luck with the rest of the season. Uh, it's obviously going great. So, hopefully, the success, success continues. And thank you so much for being on the Champs App podcast. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for having me. I really want to thank Allison for coming on the podcast. After we were done, I asked her if she preferred scoring in lacrosse or in hockey. And she told me it was lacrosse because she had scored over 60 goals in lacrosse, but only a handful in hockey. However, she had a unique sidearm shot, which she developed in hockey that she used in lacrosse. So hockey was helping her lacrosse and lacrosse was helping her hockey. And remember, if you got something out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like, follow, subscribe, and even better, if you could leave us a review so we can keep sharing this important hockey information with folks just like you.